Welcome to Radio Chicken. I'm your host, Matt DuBois, founder of the world's greatest chick coop company, Carolina Coops. Joining me from Raleigh, North Carolina, is our very own chicken aficionado, chickenista, chicken expert, Kristen Warren. We are teaming up to bring you the most entertaining and educational podcast about all things chicken. My co-host, Kristen Warren, she has been with us for 12 years now uh, as our chicken expert, done sales, just done everything, and most importantly, been a great friend and supporter of our coops, and she's down in Raleigh, North Carolina. Kristen, how, how are you doing today? Good morning. Hello, everyone. I'm doing okay. Yeah. How was your weekend? My weekend was good. I cut down some trees. I caught a snake yesterday in so, my chicken coop. I'm glad you brought that up because I would love it if you get a chance to post that later. Uh, I'm not sure uh, when's the last time you've been active on your friendsofhens.com, but I think it's uh, amazing. Uh, I, I don't know if I would have been able to have the courage to catch that snake. Uh, that was a pretty big snake. Wait, it, I, I was assuming it was non-venomous. Oh, it's definitely non-venomous. Um, okay. You know, and that's a great thing we should talk about in a show is because snakes can be an issue. And how can you quickly identify whether a snake is venomous or not? Um, but, you know, I've realized over the years when it comes to chickens and chicken coops and venomous snakes have never really been an issue as far as um, with chickens. Right. Have you ever had a venomous snake come in and no, eat your eggs? I, I, it was pretty. It had several eggs in it really it was eating eggs and you could see them inside the body those lumps and when i picked it up by the tail it vomited out egg yolk so oh please I, tell me you got a video of that no <laughs> no sorry. oh my gosh so what was the species probably a black snake a racer someone said it was a rat snake i did put it on instagram a rat snake all right so that was uh an awesome weekend to catch someone eating your breakfast on you uh you know we, we talked about a lot of ideas for the show and um i'm gonna kind of shoot it from the hip just like we do in our youtube videos all our youtube subscribers followers out there i can't thank you guys enough for all your support positive feedback there is a couple people that are so negative, giving me a thumbs down. If you're going to give me a thumbs down, I don't know why they don't tell me why. But we're going to talk about that later in the show. We're going to bring in Ingrid, who does our marketing content, answers all those comments on YouTube, and we're going to talk about some of them. And again, hopefully, it'll be very educational. If you're not familiar with Carolina Coops, that is the company that we started 12 years ago. And that is what is paying for this podcast right now in order to be able to bring what will be weekly episodes so that you can learn everything chickens, chicken coops. We got chefs that are going to come on for awesome chicken recipes. Of course, we got guest speakers. We have today a guest speaker that uh, we just started doing business with. What brought me to her, I can't wait to talk about. So again, my name is Matt with Carolina Coops. Quick history. Yeah, we started about 12 years ago, and we started in Durham, North Carolina. And I'll never forget when I built my first chicken coop, everyone thought I was crazy. You know, we lived in the city of Durham, had a quarter acre. And I just knew I wanted chickens, and I got a couple chickens, built myself a little tiny chicken coop. That was 08, and if we all remember 08, with the recession, uh, life was not fun, uh, but I, I fell in love with it. Not having any money, so I was forced to go into a dumpster, find materials, uh, specifically wood, and built myself my first chicken coop. I fell in love with having chickens. And one of the things I thought, you know, Kristen, you and I could talk about today, and again, everyone listening, if you have these questions, um, Specifically, if you're on the fence, you know, we thought about going through the episodes talking about where you start, 
if you're thinking about getting the baby chickens or getting baby chicks to raise them as adults and then eventually raise them um, for egg laying. Yes, absolutely. So something we could definitely talk about today. We got a caller calling in. Let's go ahead and bring them in. Hey, good morning. How are you doing today? Hey, good morning, Matt. This is Jeff from Kansas City. Not only did I jump in and built a coop and run similar to yours, but uh, got 27, 33 chickens out there. And um, what is the best age to integrate some younger ones with older ones? Thank you so much for calling in. And you are officially our first caller. Um, so thank you for that. And what a incredible first question because that is one of my favorite subjects to talk about uh, but I'm definitely going to have to hand that off to Kristen because this is something that she does all the time and how to properly introduce chickens to an existing flock uh, so Kristen go ahead hi how are you I'm doing good I'm doing good, good. yeah like good. I said I've got 12 week old chickens and I've got seven week old chickens and the the, the seven week olds are about half the size of the 12 week old and I've got them out there in a separate cage underneath the, the coop with them, kind of getting them introduced, you know, as far as through a fence. But when do I open that other fence up and let them officially be, or do I put them on the, I've seen them put them on a roost at nighttime or something like that. At what age, though, do I do that? Do I wait a couple more weeks? Or like I said, they're about half the size, maybe just over half the size of the bigger ones. Yeah, the earlier you can do it the better. For instance, if you have baby chicks that are a couple weeks apart, it's better to introduce them when they're younger before that pecking order is so well established. Um, at this age, and also a huge factor in introducing new chickens is how much space they have. I have a free range gotcha. situation here and I can put one new chicken in the backyard and it's fine because there's just so much sure. space and so much opportunity for food and water that it, it it's really no no issue whatsoever. But if you put a new chicken or a group of new chickens into a very confined space, all of the established chickens are going to have to really peck at the new ones to establish their place. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they'll get beat up pretty well. Um, I'm not sure gotcha. what your situation gotcha. is. How much space do you have for these? The coop itself is 8 by 8. The run itself is 36 by 8, and there's another 8 by uh, 8 underneath the coop. So 44 foot of run that's 8 foot wide. And uh, they've, they've got a lot of obstacles in there, logs and uh, directional sign are made and swings and get just stuff to hide in uh, under, over. And, uh, oh, that's great. But, um that's a great, great thing to have as well is all of those little spaces where the new guys can can really just hide and be safe. And also a second watering and feed station is also critical because that tends to be you, very uh, territorial. Yeah. Um, at this age, I really would try to put them together because they are gotcha. young. Okay. Um, half the size would be okay. I mean, they're just maybe over just half the size of the bigger ones. Bigger ones are, like I say, uh, 12 weeks, and the younger ones are seven. So. See, I get I've, nervous. I get nervous about that. I've got the same that. situation here, actually. Um, exactly those ages, because we all bought chicks at that time, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I did try to put my young ones in with the – I have a kind of a teenager pen that I keep the, the young ones in uh -huh. and they, they uh -huh. actually didn't do very well. I took them out and put them back in the garage. It, it is where we are in this transitional period where if they were much younger, I think it would be okay. So they're not fully feathered. Uh, they, 
Well, the I got some blue curtains that aren't fully feathered yet, but yeah. the uh, lavender orpingtons are pretty much feathered out. Yeah, uh, I would wait a couple more weeks until they, okay, they get to I be closer to the same, to size. More same size. Yeah, so some okay. key things I, I definitely want to hit on, because uh, this is a great question, and this is this can be a tough one, especially for people that are brand new to chickens, but one of the most important things, and you know, this is true, if you watch my videos, and you're going to hear me say it all the time, space is so important not just mm -hmm. raising your adult hens but if you do go to transition younger hens uh, especially if they're smaller with an exi existing flock so important to have a lot of space and here's the other thing that amazes me is they always know who their sisters are it, it's incredible when they do leave that hen house in the morning and they go out scratching they'll just kind of separate and that has just mm -hmm. absolutely always been fascinating um, so I, hopefully that helps you. Thank you so much for calling Absolutely. in and Absolutely. good luck to Thank you. Thank you again for everything you do. It, my pleasure. You know, that, that was, I was hoping to hear that because, you know, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes and that is something, you know, that's the biggest reason why I want to do this radio chicken is because I'm so happy that people are happy and yep. I love to share and I want to just keep on doing it on a regular basis instead of you guys waiting for me <laughs> to get back out in the field and put a coop together, shoot the video, get it edited. Uh, I think it's just a great fun way, especially with all this coronavirus. Everyone's home right now, unfortunately, and just a great way to That's make a nice great. distraction. So thank you so much for your call. You bet. Thank you, and have a good day. Awesome. You uh, too. Bye-bye. Uh, Kristen, so tell me, uh, you know, I want our listeners uh, not to just learn about Carolina Coops and us, but also – you know, I, I put a lot on your plate here to be our chicken expert. I know you hate that term because you don't think of yourself as an expert. Uh, but I know over the years uh, working together, you supporting us um, and talking to a lot of our customers, they absolutely love um, everything you bring to the table, not just with chicken knowledge. <laughs> well, maybe a chicken enthusiast. Chicken but aren't we all? <laughs> well, we, we, we definitely are. I tell you, the chickenista, I, I, you know, that was the title they gave you. And it is fun. Um, I know you did like it, but uh, it's just... I don't know. We're going to have to work on that. So tell us real quick, how did you get into chickens? Well, it was back 2010 uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina. We have a tour to coop, which is a backyard tour of chicken coops, kind of like a garden tour. I love to see all these cities come up with these tours. It's just so fun. I saw it in the newspaper back then. We used to read newspapers, had it <laughs> delivered to the house every week. Uh, I saw it in the newspaper, and I just chuckled, and I said, this is silly. I've got to go see this. So it was more of a gawking session. I was just going to go gawk at these, at these backyard chickens. But when I went there, I took my daughter, who is 18 now, and we just fell in love with these chickens. They were, it was not something to gawk at. It was something to be, to embrace and to be, we just were overwhelmed by the sense of awe. They were peaceful. We just couldn't leave. People were lingering in backyards, just taking it all in. And it was, I was just shocked. I was floored. That day forward, I put my plan together to get backyard chickens. And my spouse at the time was the reluctant spouse. When we go visit people and we do these installs, I love to ask the story because there's always a reluctant spouse. I mean, not always, but usually there's there's one that's more reluctant with these chickens. Oh, are you kidding um, me? Absolutely. I can't, like, you know, it's so funny how many times when we would go do a site survey, I have seen firsthand the person that's against it. You get the chickens, you get the right coop. That person that it was against it originally, they become obsessed. They fall in love with 
in love with the chickens the most. So keep that in mind. It does happen. Yes. <laughs> I love those stories. Yep. That happens all the time. Let's take another call, and then um, I can't wait to bring in our guest speaker today. We've got a caller coming in. This is Julie. This is Julie. Julie. North Carolina. Doing well with everything, except I had a question about chicken health. Is there a way to prevent the eggs from being so large that it would hurt the chicken? Um, we extended the run to give them more exercise. And I also cut back on the chicken scratch and tending to go with a little bit more pellets, but um, would appreciate any more advice. Yeah. Um, excellent question. So I'm going to obviously give this off to Kristen, um, again, being a chicken question. You know, I had a couple chickens that every time they laid an egg, it was huge. And, um, you know, Kristen, yeah. is there any, do we know why that happens? Is it genetic? Is it diet? We have chickens that lay the double yolk all the, you know, fairly mm -hmm. regularly, or sometimes it's random. And that tends to be more of a misfire, so to speak, or a genetic anomaly. The double yolks just happen. So mm -hmm. I, I was just wondering how you knew it was a large egg that, that was the issue. Well, she did pass it. Um, and there was blood, like I said, everywhere. Um, she was trying to get out of the, the box, the um, lay box, and then she ran for the stairs, and there was blood all over the stairs, and when she hit the bottom of the run, she collapsed and died right there. Wow. And uh, she was bleeding from her vent? Yes. Yeah, I, I'm beginning to think that there was something internally, not just a large egg, in play there okay. um and without a necropsy okay. it's it's really hard right. to to say exactly what happened and that's you know mm -hmm. that just brings me back to when we have chickens we always get that life lesson about you know loss and it's it's hard right. it's it's hard to lose, it is lose hard. a chicken um yeah and really when uh, i talk to people about their loss i i sometimes it's it's just it's just not your fault like I know you've done a lot of uh, mitigation to try to improve the situation and all the, those things are, are, are good good changes to make for your chickens I mean more space and etc mm -hmm. but I don't think there was anything mm -hmm. that you could have done in this situation and without a necropsy I'm not sure if we can mm -hmm. determine exactly what happened in, internally to cause that internal bleeding mm -hmm. Um, and mm -hmm. you know, we, things just happen with our chickens and I, I've, I've taken so many chickens for a necropsy just to learn, mm -hmm. um, try to, to educate myself on what I think right. it died from and then I'll get it, um, necropsied, autopsied at the, at the local mm -hmm. state vet. And sometimes I'm mm -hmm. surprised. I had one that was, that died of eating moldy bread and I didn't know that was even possible but they were able to determine that oh. so without that we we don't know exactly what happened internally but okay. uh, I, I i doubt it's a large egg because they they do pass large eggs all the time and, um, and so. actually if you don't mind if i chime in real quick what can you and can you not feed chickens and i love that question because i feel our answer a lot of times uh goes against the grain on most standard answers mm -hmm. um mold you know 
mold toxicity. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't realize that. I didn't know in the beginning either, um, especially if you're doing something that I'm a huge promoter of, and that is, you know, you have your chicken bucket, you get, you're putting in your table scraps. Uh, you definitely want to make sure that bucket gets out there within 24 hours because that starts to get moldy, and you put that in the chicken run, that can mm -hmm. te technically, um, definitely potentially be toxic to your chickens. Mm, okay. So I hope yeah, that helped you. Yeah. So sorry to hear about your loss. Thank you so much for calling, Julie. Thanks, Nat. Awesome. All right, guys, that was Julie down in North Carolina. Uh, that was great to hear from her. And, yeah, it's uh, losing a chicken, especially your first one. Uh, that's never fun. But things do happen, unfortunately. Um, are we ready to take another caller? All right, let's see. Um, why don't we talk to Nancy? Thank you for calling in. Excellent. Sorry to put you on hold. How can we help you this morning? Yeah, so, um, so I've got the American Coop, and we've had a couple flocks now. And I have to say, uh, we lost a lot of chickens in our other coop. Um, and now when I go to bed at night, it's like Fort Knox for chickens. Our problem, though, is when letting them out to uh, graze during the day. We've got some foxes uh, that have grabbed up to three of them in the last month. And so we're considering, um, you know, extending some kind of a fence or some kind of a pasture. And we're not sure what to do um, because now we can't let them out until later in the evening. And they're just staring at us all day trying to get out. And so we've got new chickens coming. They're in the garage in their mini coop right now. And so we're looking at having a fence company come out. And I'm just kind of on the fence <laughs> about you know, what type do you get? Are they trapped in a fence and it could be dangerous for them? So any advice would be great. I have to ask, does the fox come during the day? Yeah. Yeah, mine did yeah. too. Mine would show up at 1 p.m. And just randomly oh, yeah, throughout right the day. Time. Yeah. It was very, right very frustrating. I fought that fox all summer. Yeah, and that's not normal, right? I mean, foxes should uh, be a nocturnal creature, right? They, they kind of are both, especially when they're feeding their young. I mean, right. they've got pups have, right I now. I hear them at night in the woods. So we've got them in behind us. They've got cubs. Um, and so we can just keep the chickens trapped in or possibly look into a fence to at least give them daytime grazing right outside of the coop area. Yeah, so, you know, foxes are probably one of the most difficult predators I've seen to deal with. Uh, one, they're foxes. They're extremely smart. I know not everyone's a fan of trapping. I did pest control and uh, animal control for 15 years. Once a predator or pest has learned a behavior, the only way to truly stop it is to eliminate that. Um, now, there is one thing, and I'll definitely let Kristen finish this off because she's got tons of experience about foxes, and she's got a great tip that she also taught us um, when it comes to being able to let your chickens free range because there is nothing better than that. Um, I know this can't work for everyone, but I've also heard a lot of success with a guard dog. Yeah, we've heard that. We've heard that. Um, in fact, the lady that we bought our recent chickens from has two Pyrenees, mm -hmm. great, great, great Pyrenees dogs, and they do a great job. I have two dachshunds, and one of them would go right after that chicken in our feet. What do you think about a fence to extend the coop area because we're adding more chickens? Does that help to have an outside area fenced in and, and basically foxes can't get in there during the day? A fence will help. I'm not sure that it will keep a fox out. What What do you think about that, Matt? So, you know, it's it's not guaranteed, but I definitely yeah. agree it'll help. Um, if, if I'm correct, foxes are, they do like to dig. And <clears throat> mm -hmm. one of the things I would recommend doing is 
if you can put up a fence and make that chicken yard area and then also go around the outside of that fence and put in a predator apron just like you do mm-hmm. um, with the main chicken coop I think that will make a huge right. difference and then here's the other thing you know was it maybe 20 years ago they came out with that electric poultry fencing it's very yeah. affordable but boy I tell you what it's not the best looking stuff but it's very effective and that might be something to think about as well uh, is doing some type of um, fence that is electrified and I know I use it myself and I got foxes and coyotes like you wouldn't believe uh, knock on wood have never had an issue uh, so that might be just the one other thing I would definitely think about because uh, the only guaranteed way to protect them is to build a structure big enough um, just like your run is now uh, with a solid roof. That's great. I, I appreciate the advice. All right. Well, thank you so much for calling. We're going to check in with Nicole. So Nicole, is um, she is the owner of Heritage Acres Market LLC. If you get a chance, please go to her website. She was brought to my attention uh, by a company out of Florida when we were running into some problems with horizontal nipples. And if you're not familiar with horizontal nipples, uh, I definitely wanted to dive into that quite a bit and then, of course, give Nicole a plug because I'm very proud of her. And the reason why I'm proud of her is she is the only person in America that is selling the original Columbus Aqua. Now, I know for some of you that may not mean anything, but if you are designing a water system for your chickens, which I highly recommend because that makes it so much easier. Um, it, it eliminates that one chore that can be kind of cumbersome, especially in the wintertime when it comes to water. Uh, I know we've invented our heated water system. You can check that out at carolinacoops.com. Uh, but we ran into an issue uh, maybe about two years ago. We couldn't find them. We could not find the beautiful, well-made Columba Aquas horizontal nipples. And somebody, I've been told in America, took one of them, sent them off to China. And, of course, China does what it does best, copy. And a lot of them online are garbage. So, uh, Nicole, thanks for joining us. And I definitely wanted to talk about that uh, and your experience with the history of the horizontal nipples. And definitely, again, if you guys are looking to make your own water system, she sells these on her website. I sure appreciate it. And congratulations on your launch of Radio Chicken. That's super exciting. So, yeah, these these poultry nipples, like you mentioned, um, you know, they've actually been on the market since 2012. And um, I, I have to be honest that I'm not the original. Um, the, the folks before me kind of bowed out after the Chinese explosion once once they duplicated them. So now I hold the torch. Um, I'm the only importer for in the U.S. for these. They're made in Europe with uh, premium grade high quality material um and and like you mentioned there is a significant difference between these and the ones made in china um just the design of them is different the materials are different and a lot of people are having problems with the ones in china they're they're not made to the same standards they're falling apart they have sharp edges they have really stiff springs they leak and oh my goodness there's there's definitely a difference. Yeah, there's definitely a huge difference. I know when we thought the Columbus Aqua were no longer available, we had to unfortunately resort to the only place I was making them was China. They tried. You can definitely tell they were trying to copy, and they were garbage. And, you know, you just mentioned something that has been driving me nuts 
is, you know, we love when you have, when you're raising baby chicks, uh, that's when watering can be a huge issue. And because, you know, you got the regular little gravity feeder and they're kicking shavings into there and you got to constantly clean it out. Uh, we loved when you're able to take either the vertical nipples, which work well with the baby chicks. I don't like them long-term because they always end up dripping, but the horizontal nipples were the ticket. But when China copied it, the resistance on pushing on that stainless steel trigger is it's, there's just way too much resistance for the baby chicks. So again, I, I just, I can't thank you enough that you are still importing these and you know, the biggest thing is I want to promote and make sure everyone is aware of if you are thinking about buying or making your own water system and you want to buy these perfect horizontal nipples, um, Heritage Acres Market LLC, um, and also Nicole, uh, you know, her and I have started talking and you remind me a lot of what I went through. So I definitely want to make sure I promote your business as much as possible because I love um, that you're a believer in the backyard chicken movement. And I also see that you wrote a book, and I have to say I'm kind of jealous. Can you tell me about this book you wrote? I did write an ebook. It's available on Amazon and my website, and it's a poultry health guide, uh, diagnosis and treatment. My background, real quick, is I'm a paramedic, and I have some history working at a raptor rehabilitation facility for injured birds of prey. So. And I've had chickens pretty much my whole life. So all of those things kind of came together in putting uh, this book together. And I see so many questions online, you know, people that are having issues with bird illnesses, just like your caller earlier. And so I tried to just create a, a one-stop resource that had everything available so that you didn't have to Google and and look everywhere online for some conflicting things. So I put that together. I believe it's about 60-ish pages, and it should answer the most common questions for backyard poultry, um, for, for folks with backyard chickens. Of course, it won't cover everything. It's, it's difficult to do that, but the most common ones are covered in that book. Awesome. Well, I hope one day, I, I, I'm not much of a reader. I have to admit that. I, uh, I'm, I'm kind of lazy. I love my videos, but I am definitely going to purchase that. I can't wait to read it. And again, for all our listeners out there, uh, Nicole, can you tell us again, where would we be able to get this ebook? Yeah, so it's available on Amazon or uh, through my website, heritageacresmarket.com. Awesome. Very good. Now, I also see, again, I mentioned earlier, I think a little bit uh, that you also have your own podcast, Backyard Bounty, and I was recently one of your guest speakers on yes. there. I hope I did a good job. I haven't heard it yet. You've done, you did amazing. All right, awesome. So that's just another, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about the uh, podcast, the Backyard Bounty. Yeah, so that's kind of an all-encompassing backyard hobby farm my experiences with chickens in beekeeping but you know there's there's a lot more to it there's goats and and canning and things that I don't have the experience with so uh, I bring in awesome guests like yourself and we talk about all things backyard bounty so and and gardening and and all of that as well so it covers multiple topics and then our episode with you will be coming out July 13th, where we talk about uh, chicken coops, of course, and some tips for building your own chicken coop and, and raising happy chickens. So being that you mentioned bees, I know this is going to be completely off topic, but boy, is there something in the news recently about oh, yes. bees 
this, uh, th- I mean, just here we go again. Um, here's another pandemic. Well, maybe not a pandemic, but what's it called? The Chinese hornet? Yeah, the, the Asian hornet. Uh, I think 2020 needs to take a break. It needs to, <laughs> to pump the brakes a little bit here. Well, but... you're not kidding. <laughs> um, I'm actually getting ready to write an article about that for my website. So I don't have all of the information just yet. I try to do with my website is look up actual hard facts and data from reputable resources and not just spread rumors. So I can't speak too much on it because I haven't done the research and I'd hate to spread the wrong information. But from the little bit that I have looked, uh, it looks like that they found one of them in Canada last year and one or two in Washington this year. Washington's having a heck of a year. And So it's kind of on the radar. I don't know how much of an issue it is yet. Again, I don't want to share misinformation, but uh, I'll I'll look into that. And if anybody's interested, I'll have something on my website by the end of this week, if not next week. Right. I think this is is going to be interesting. It's kind of scary. Um, We need our bees. We need our honeybees. We do. Mm -hmm. And this is the last thing we need. Yeah, 2020, please pump the brakes, will you? (laughs) Um, Awesome. Well, Nicole, thank you so much. I appreciate that. If you guys are in the market for purchasing, these are the best nipples, okay? You know, and I've, I've always said, you know, I'm a fan of, you know, I, I don't care about the Chinese knockoffs, you know. Um, I mean, I do and I don't, but what I care about is educating the consumer, and then you make your decision. And we're seeing this, especially on Amazon, the, the knockoffs, and you really wouldn't know any different unless you worked with these horizontal nipples a lot. And there is a huge difference. So, uh, and, and actually, real quick, where exactly in Europe? I forget where they're manufactured. They're manufactured in Denmark. Denmark. I always say Norway, so I'm sounding like a typical American. It's close. <laughs> <laughs> um, in Norway, uh, in Denmark, in Denmark. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So again, great product. What a difference. Thank you. And, and it's um, so important for those chickens to have water. So it seems really insignificant, but when you think about how often it's used, and how important it is. It is, and the price difference, I'm sure, is not that much, so get the real thing. It actually, yeah, and it saves you money in the long run. You just pop these on a five-gallon bucket or, or pick up one of Matt's watering bars, and life changer. Absolutely, so, they are. So and then, you know, the, the question we get a lot is, well, do I got to train my chickens to use them? <laughs> um, I know my answer, but Nicole, I would love to hear what you say to that question. Sure. So I know a lot of people are concerned uh, about whether or not their chickens are even going to catch on to them. Or they'll say, hey, I've been using these waters and I go out and I water my bush or whatever and the chickens flock to the water and they're drinking out of it and it seems like they're really thirsty. But I can assure you that's not the case. Um, They just, they're chickens and they like to drink muddy water. That's what they do. But the, the training is really easy. The biggest thing I tell people is that they need to remove all other water sources, preferably at night after everybody's gone to bed. The next morning, go out there and poke on the pin and have some water come out. And once one bird sees it and comes and takes a drink, everybody will be will be drinking from yep. it. It's not an issue. Yep. Uh, I also have a lot of resources on my website for the training, and then people can always reach out to me if they need help. Awesome. Excellent answer. I couldn't agree more. Uh, again, Nicole, thank you so much. Nicole at Heritage Acres Market LLC. Guys, if you get a chance, please go check that out. Check out the podcast 
Backyard Bounty. And we're going to talk again, and I can't thank you enough that uh, you've given us another lifeline to be able to offer these horizontal nipples to our customers and keep up the good work. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much, Matt. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a great day. That was Nicole with Heritage Acres Market LLC. All right, let's do yes. this. Good morning, Randy. Yes. Hey, how can we help you, sir? Uh, I'm just trying to build my own coop. And the question I have is where to um, purchase uh, some items and also the size of my coop. I have 16 babies that I'm built, uh, getting grown now. And um, I thought about doing a six by eight hen house with a 20, roughly a 23, 23 foot run. And also on that same question, how many boxes do I need for 15 or to 16 chickens? This is your first time having chickens? Well, I haven't had them since I was a teenager. I had one. I had a little banny chicken and uh, oh. loved it. And since I have kids now, they're at the age they're, they're excited. Uh, they go into the kitchen, see the baby chicks. And uh, so I'm trying to get them uh, introduced with them and raise him and it's more responsibilities too. Oh, absolutely. Well, you are going to absolutely love it. So you had a couple questions. Um, you, you did start to say where to purchase, uh, was it accessories, some items for building your coop? Yeah, well, I was, I love your deep litter system and I was trying to possibly kind of come up with my own. Sure. Of the uh, materials, of the uh, high, high density uh, polyethylene. polyurethane, I think it's called. Yep, high-density polyethylene. Um, so when you're building your coop, uh, for starters, definitely I, I like going 12 inches deep. I think that's a good depth for the litter. And, you know, we use that food-safe high-density polyethylene. And I use it because right. it's the best. But I'll be honest with you, and I tell all my customers this, it's way overkill. But that's what customers love about us. You can definitely right. get away with just using plywood. Because, you know, and I know a lot of people are going to freak out right now. They're going, oh, no, 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 it's going to rot. If your plywood is going to rot, there's something wrong. And what I mean by this right. is it all starts chicken to coop ratio. And when you're putting, when you build that deep litter area and say it is plywood, okay, the plywood's job is to hold the diaper together. And that diaper, right. which is my favorite, is the industrial hemp. Um, or if you're using pine shavings, whatever you're using for your source of carbon, that's what's going to absorb the moisture. If you have so many chickens overproducing droppings, the liquid material that could rot the wood, you got too many chickens. You got much bigger problems. So I want to, you know, right. keep it simple. You don't have to go out and, and spend. I mean, it, we I think it's like two hundred and twenty-five dollars for a piece of high-density polyethylene four by eight. So if you're if you're on a budget looking to save some money, you can definitely use plywood. And if you do use plywood, I always tell people, think of it like our, you know, and I'm sure they're still around, a wooden salad bowl. And when you have a wooden salad bowl or wooden utensils, wood loves oil. And there are great food-safe oils, and that wood is going to absorb that oil. And if there ever was moisture issues, there's nowhere for that water to get into the wood. So um, right. just one thing to think there. If you are thinking about doing some other type of material, um, you know, I get scared. A common one is people will use linoleum. I'm not a fan of it. No. It's too porous, and you're, no. you you don't want more layers. Yeah, moisture right. can get caught underneath right. that. 
Yeah, I think that's definitely more a huge than it helps. Okay. And, mm -hmm. and one of the other questions is um, the wiring for the uh, the PVC. Uh, um, I'm sorry, my kids are running around trying. I'm trying to keep them away from me right now. <laughs> um, the uh, the wiring that you have, I love that. Um, I'm finding it, but um, I'm finding it in smaller sizes. Right. I definitely love uh, what we use, and that is the half inch by half inch, and it's commonly called hardware cloth. And if you're brand new to that mm -hmm. material, don't let the word cloth scare you. It's 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 um, you right. know it comes in different gauges, and we use a 19 gauge, and we found that overall the 19 gauge works perfectly. And there's some things to think about when you're out shopping around for that hardware cloth. Now we do sell it. Uh, we sell it all the time for customers. Uh -huh. But to be honest with you. Uh, with this coronavirus, it has caused so many problems of importing material that we've had to stop selling it until we get more in. Uh, but what's nice about when we sell it, we actually custom cut it for you, and you, you're going to pay a little bit more. But in the big picture, now actually I'll take that back. You may end up paying the same, but you won't have as much left over, and we already have cut it custom for you. Um, so if you're out shopping around for that half-inch hardware cloth, what I highly recommend, here's what people don't know, is if you find some of it and it seems like the price is too good to be true, it's because a lot of that, it, when they make the wire, it starts out as galvanized wire and then they weld it. And that galvanization, that's to prevent the wire from rusting, gets burned off. Uh -huh. And then they black PVC I coat see. it versus like what we use. It starts out as a steel core, then it's, gal then it's welded, then galvanized, and then black PVC coated. Uh -huh, I see. Okay. Um, my other one is how many... Because uh, I have 16, uh, hopefully coming up hens, how many uh, boxes for that many chickens? So that's a great that question. I get away with? I, now, because uh, I'm having the, the, the build is the, it's going to be against the fence. Now, I can only have the hen, hen boxes on the one side. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you're going to be fine, especially because you're building a six by eight hen house. So a lot of people may not know this. I know I didn't in the beginning. So, and if you have chickens, you're already kind of chuckling. So industry standard. Four to six hens per nest box, but for all of us that already have chickens, you know, like right now, uh -huh. I think I have all 12 of mine are sharing one nest box happily. Uh -huh. And Twelve. so what I would suggest is if you have 16 um, chickens, four nest boxes would be ideal. But here's the other thing, too. You know, when you do build a nest box, and like if you take a look at our egg clutches at carolinacoops.com, you'll notice we have dividers, and they're roughly 12 by 12. But right, what right. I do and what most people do, they pull those dividers and just make one big box and let the chickens figure it out, and they're going to be so much happier. You just want to make sure really? you're using nesting material that is long and stringy, not chopped up small little pieces. Right, right, right. What the, uh, the size of run for the, uh, the whole flock uh, should be uh, – I'm, I'm hoping to get about a 20 oh, – the full size is going to be about – uh, 26 feet, is that big enough for 16 chickens? So, you know, I always tell people you can never have a big enough run. And I am a huge advocate of free-ranging. I know a lot of people are not comfortable with that in the beginning. They usually end up being comfortable with it. There's nothing better than free-ranging. But if we had to, you know, get technical, industry standard – most people are going to tell you 10 square feet per hen for the run. So that would be 160 square feet. So if you have um, a run, you said originally, I think you said a run of 23 feet long. Uh -huh. Yeah. And yeah. then how wide is your run? Is it six foot or eight foot? It's going to be six foot. 
So 138 square feet. So technically, if you could not free range, that's going to be a little too small. When we're not home, they're going to be in there. But if we're in the backyard or whatever, let them out. The more you can let them out, the happier they're going to be. Um, but right. even I would definitely try to shoot for a minimum of 10 square feet per hen. And there's also great what are called boredom busters. There's great things that will keep the chickens busy. And that's the thing that I can't emphasize enough is, yes, chickens become our pets, but they're still they, they right. need to work and you got to keep them occupied. And that's one of the things that, you know, I forgot to mention it. We we're just talking about our water bar and the horizontal nipples. One of the things that's nice about it is right. it gives the chickens something more to work at. Um, and then, of course, making right. sure they have treats and, you know, make sure that the soil inside that run is healthy and rich in nutrients so that the chickens is just they're going to love scratching in it you don't want to do things like put a screen in the in the floor of the run that's probably the worst thing you can do and then i've also no, seen no. stone yeah. i've seen sand don't want to do that at all you always always tell people you want to mimic or copy the forest floor and that's what chickens are used to it helped out with the earlier call with the uh integrating the two chickens because i got some that are uh four weeks old and i got some that are two weeks old and I'm getting two more in about a week. So it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge. Absolutely. Well, you'll have fun. Keep it simple. Don't overthink it. And I definitely can't thank you enough for watching our videos. Tell your wife, I said, thank you as hey. well. Um, and if there's anything <laughs> else we could do for you, let us know. All right. Well, if you're ever down in the Southern California, just give us a holler. We will. Yeah. We love Southern California. I love everything in California, really everything West coast. Uh, we got coops all up and down the West coast. <laughs> absolutely love the West Coast. So thank you so much. All right. Take care. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. We've had some fantastic stories. I mean, we can just write a book just on those those stories. Absolutely. I mean, and you know when he mentioned one, there's a good yes, story. Yes, that reminds us it. of a customer that we had in uh, South Carolina where wasn't it she – was it she or he? This is going back a long time ago. That was their pet chicken, and didn't their roommate eat the chicken on them? <laughs> Yes, that was yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how they got in the chicken. That chickens. was the guy in Georgia, Georgia, the retired oh, IBMer. That's right. Oh, great people. Those. Uh, we we got the best customers, don't we? Mm-hmm. All right. So it is eleven o'clock. I want to keep going, Kristen. You still got time? Yeah. We got callers out there, and also we haven't had any fun yet. Uh, we have a couple segments that uh, I would love to get to. I know Ingrid, again, our content marketer down in Raleigh, North Carolina, who handles all our YouTube. One of the things, guys, that I've been wanting to do is, and you've heard me, if you watch my videos at our YouTube channel, and if you haven't, please go to it and please subscribe. Uh, Our YouTube chicken police, the people that, um, you know, if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't strive to get better. You know, we get mad at these negative people, but they are who make you better. So my YouTube chicken police, and then I've also realized there are good cops and bad cops. So even love all our good comments. So I was going to bring Ingrid in. You know what? Let's take one more caller. We got another person um, that's been waiting 36 minutes. We got another Kristen. Kristen, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Thank you for calling. Sorry to put you on hold for so long. How can we help you? We uh, had some chickens about a year and a half ago when I offhandedly told my husband, hey, what if we got chickens? And in two days, he had 11 chickens from a lady down the road in the front yard. Wow, nice. So we kind of threw together a coop that did okay for about a year, and then over a week, they got picked off one by one. Oh. So I told him, never again would I have chickens until I had a good coop. Yep. So I gave him the go-ahead to 
start looking at coat designs, and I'm going to admit I have binge-watched all of your videos. Thank you. We are in Starkville, just outside of Starkville, Mississippi, so our income bracket's a little low for, for buying one of your custom coops. It's, it's on the dream list, but we are building our own version of your coop. And our question today is, what is the best run material? Like our run is going to be uh, 16 by 8, but we our, our ground stays a little soggy. So we're planning on building it up a little. And someone has told us to put a layer of sand down and then something like sawmill shavings. So what you're asking is what type of ground prep? What kind of material should your coop sit on as far as the ground being in a wet area? Right. How do we keep the the run, how do we keep that like a, a compostable material without staying soggy? Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. Now, when the area is getting wet, is it from runoff or is it a low spot that water is going to sit? Our whole little 1.2 acres kind of stays stays soggy for a couple of days after it rains. So it kind of just sits until it has a chance to to get away. It doesn't run off very quickly. Gotcha. What I'm okay, okay. You know, and that's a common thing that does happen, and here's where I do not want to confuse people. I know I'm going to get myself in trouble right now. And the <laughs> easiest analogy I can explain right now is um, think about if you're going to plant a flower in a pot. And we the first thing we're taught is I have no green thumb, Kristen, correct me if I get wrong anywhere, you put rocks in the bottom. And that is because water is going to always take the path of least resistance. And when it comes to really any structure you're building, in this case a chicken coop, when water is going to come, you want it to go. You do not want it sitting around. And this is the one time that if you have sand available, that can be to your benefit, but I'm not recommending using sand inside the run for the chickens to scratch in. What I actually would recommend, and th this is the ideal situation, and we do this a lot, especially in Florida where the soil is already sandy, um, mm -hmm. is if you were able to build it up with a concrete footer and then set the coop on top of that, and that's your most expensive option, and then that way you're doing a couple things. That entire concrete footer will kind of act like a boat in the ocean. It will sit right on that wet area and act as one solid structure. And then that also will allow you to add, like say you built it up six inches on the inside, you can bring in your favorite type of compost material. You mentioned the sawmill shavings. Um, you can throw that inside the run area because you've built up the sides and the chickens will absolutely love it. Now that's the most expensive option. The other option is uh, to just use regular ground contact rated pressure treated lumber and build up a perimeter that the coop will sit on and that will help minimize the amount of moisture that could potentially be getting inside your run. But no matter what, and here's one of the reasons why we do what we do with all our coops is we put a solid roof over the entire structure. And that's why I was asking you, is it runoff or is it just kind of sitting, staying soggy? Because what's going to happen is that roof is going to keep your run area dry. And if it's not runoff coming to it, that's going to make a huge difference, especially if you were to add gutters to it. Um, so every situation is different. And I would just say, you know, depending on the amount of moisture, the amount of water you're getting, always remember water takes the path of least resistance. And, you know, a, another thing you can think of, and we did this, and actually check out our, we were in New Hope, Alabama. I don't remember the title. Um, we, we put in what was basically a French drain where, it was dug down, 
and you put in corrugated, uh, corrugated um, it's like a corrugated pipe, four inches, or a lot of times people call it tile, and you dig down a trench, you drop that in, it's surrounded by stone, and then water, any water that's around your coop will go into that pipe and go right on downhill. So the, again, the idea is it'll help dry it out even faster. So I don't want to confuse you though, when it comes to the chickens inside the run, mimic the forest floor. I love that compost organic material that just like what you would find on the forest floor. Yeah, and I want to reiterate, without a roof, that, that pressure treated basin is going to be a swimming pool. Especially if you have maybe clay soil, something that doesn't drain. So yeah, absolutely. You do line. not want to be, if you're building a chicken coop and everyone is listening, um, I cannot emphasize the importance of having a solid roof over your entire structure. And of course, I think metal's the best. Um, it's most economical. And if you're collecting rainwater, which uh, I know we do, a lot of our customers do, that's the safest way to collect rainwater. And it will make your chickens so much happier. Well, even, uh, even those plastic corrugated panels from Lowe's or Home Depot are, are pretty decent. I mean, as far as a low cost roofing for a run, if you're really looking to save some money. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. And, and it's made out of polycarbonate. Um, so they are definitely cheaper than metal roofing and it will keep the water out and provide shade. Well, we are looking at doing a metal roof over the run. It looks like we have, we have started with two inch cement blocks. I guess to put our two by eight treated base on. So I was just hoping that maybe we could we could start with a layer of sand or a layer of those sawmill shavings and then just build up with something closer to a mulch or a compostable, um, something more close to the forest floor. Yeah, I honestly I think you'll still if if water's sitting there, it's still there. That's gonna still continue to cause an issue. I would really focus on trying to make sure if there's a way to divert the water from going near your coop, and then when water is there, give it the path of least resistance and get it to just you know, it's gonna run right on downhill. So just kind of have your corrugated pipe pitched down, and I think you'll see a huge improvement. And again, that's, that's what they do around homes all the time when they have this problem, and it works beautifully. So thank you so much for calling. Thank you so, so much. It's my pleasure. Best of luck to you. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our YouTube channel and some of the YouTube chicken police. Coming to you now from the inside of the Carolina Coops YouTube channel, helping make sure we directly thank all of our wonderful subscribers, and yes, even all of you YouTube chicken police that find it necessary to litter the yard with Coop Envy, here now, our YouTube warden, Ingrid Fromm, what do you have for us this week? Well, they're, for the most part, they're very nice and supportive, but you know, there's always people that love to be tough guys behind the keyboards. <laughs> So there was one that I thought was interesting with your, um, when you were talking about the cheap coops. Sure. Uh, one of those videos and someone said, you're a snob. They're very good for the money. <laughs> someone called me a snob? They, yes. They basically thought that, um, that we were just being a snob because we were trashing the crappy coops, which we, I basically and nicely said that we just felt that those coops were not good for chickens. Well, yeah. they're starter coops. They're maybe starter at best. Yes. They're and just they're, not going to last. They're not right. going to last. They're not going to last. And they also don't help 
promote the health and happiness of chickens. And that's what we're about. Exactly. So listen, folks, I'm not being a snob by any means. And I'm trying to emphasize this. Yes, I love my product. I think we have the best. I know we have the best chicken coop out there. And yes, I want to sell our coops. And I've also gone on record and said, if you're not going to buy one of my coops, learn from us and build your own. I think that's absolutely awesome. Especially, you know, just recently, uh, we had a family building their own coop and they FaceTimed me, asked me some questions. They had all their kids out there with an assembly line. That's true homeschooling. Anyways, um, we need to educate people. You got these Chinese coffin coops coming in from China that tell you, oh, yeah, you can put 16 chickens in here. They're lying to you. And what I don't want to have happen is you get this coop because you believe it because why, why couldn't you trust the manufacturer of these chicken coops? You're going to get it, and you're going to run into all kinds of problems, not because of the chickens, because of the coop. And typically it's going to be because of the space, and then when it comes time to clean it, oh, my gosh, how many times you get that guillotine effect? You pull out that tray. And the chicken droppings are four inches tall. I mean, it just makes a mess, right? Before I get into this other guy, I want to there's, – there's a new guy that's been coming on, Grant Anderson, and he is a big fan. So he, he says, you guys make hard work look like fun. Grant Anderson, thank you, sir. I do appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah, and I do want to um, mention that all our YouTube subscribers out there, and if you're not already a subscriber, please go subscribe. 99% of our fans are awesome. We just have the best fans out there. Thank you for all the positive feedback because so much work does go into these chicken coops. And, and then to bring it to you in a video form to help promote our product and or to learn from. So, Grant, thank you so much. All right. Yeah, he, he had a bunch of comments, and um, he must be a new subscriber. And we love that. We love that people go and hit a bunch of the videos. Um, there's a consensus that we should give out our carabiners to people that buy custom coops. <laughs> Because they don't understand why they're getting a big coop, and we tell them to go buy a carabiner. You know that is interesting. And truth be told, uh, and, you know that's a not a bad idea. Um, we, so we should brand them. <laughs> We're going to brand them Carolina Coops carabiners. And, and, Let's and, brand and, them. And, right. So if you don't know what carabiner is, uh, maybe we can somehow bring that up. But basically, it's an additional. It's like a climbers use it, you know, for the ropes and whatnot. And you can put it through that hole on the gate latch. Uh, to make sure predators, they could easily open up that gate latch. Well, you want to make it very difficult for them. And yeah, I mentioned, you know, do a carabiner. But here's why I've never included it is I like options. You know, some people aren't going to use carabiners. Sometimes they're going to use a padlock, combination lock. I've seen some fancy mechanisms where it's just like kind of a a loop-de-loop wire that does the job. It's very slick. Um, But also I want to say that probably a lot of people that didn't make the video we go out and we buy the carabiners for them. <laughs> and, and then to make it even worse, every time. I should have just, I should hang them up on the wall. Uh, when I'm doing the video and they already have a carabiner and it's the customers, I always forget to put it back on the lock. And I don't realize it's in my clothes when I go to do laundry when I get back home. <laughs> and um, I've taken their carabiner. They're yelling at me, Matt, you took my carabiner. But. Um, all right, so that's noted. That's something I'll think about, especially for our okay, custom coops. That's a great one, Ingrid. Yeah, what else there's you got, thing, Ingrid? I like that. Well, there's this one guy, um, and I'm going to mention his name because, you know, why not? Uh, Richard Nance. So this is the guy that commented on a, uh, an older video of a Carolina coop and said, you guys must be smoking chicken bleep when you came up with those prices. No wonder you won't tell people how much they cost in your sales pitch videos. <laughs> And I, I take umbrage at the sales pitch videos because they are not. They're not sales pitch videos. We work hard on those videos. You, you, you know what? I did see that. And, yeah. and, and, and here's the deal. 
you can go to our website 24-7, carolinacoops.com. You'll see all our pricing. You can call us. I have people answering the phones all day. But here's the deal. In those videos, I made that mistake. We did, um, Chris and I were in Cary, North Carolina, and we were unveiling our Cali Coop. And I made the awful mistake of saying my goal is to have the best coop for the best price at $1,000, if I remember correctly. I have people now mad that that video is still up because they say I said this coop is $1,000 for sale. That's not true. So that's one of the reasons why I don't mention the price of the coop, uh, especially in the videos. And also, we want to respect the privacy of our customers, right? Exactly. I mean, our custom coops. And also, if we gave out the price of our custom coops, they, people don't realize what went into that. Maybe we did ground prep. Maybe we were there for 10 days. Maybe um, there's all these other there's all these other variables you can't possibly explain in a comment or a video to why the cost was the cost. And it's not fair to us and it's not fair to the privacy of our customers because people, you know, you don't tell them how much your house costs or how much, you know, your car costs. Yeah, I mean, it, it, bottom line, I mean, is it coupe envy? Can we call it that? I think it is. I think this guy has super coupe envy because he also, when I – you know, and I'm trying to be really diplomatic and nice with my replies. You are. Um, I hope I, you are hope Swedish. I accomplish that. Um, <laughs> so I basically just said that our coops are those prices because of the high quality materials, the craftsmanship. Um, right, right, right. And, so, so here's and all the deal. That stuff. And he went on about how that he just basically called, you know, BS on me. Yeah. Well, uh, Ingrid, <laughs> it was a great response, I think. And bottom line here is, and here's got another point to the radio chicken. Uh, podcast here, and I've heard this over and over. Yes, I know our coops aren't the cheapest out there, but you pay for what you get. Um, but here's the other thing: when you start to, if you're, if you're, especially if you're going to copy one of our coops um, to the T, you will not believe how much these materials cost, and the materials are just going up and up. And so, I would also like to mention, and, and here's where non, um, God bless her, happen, uh, answering all the emails, all the phone calls in that office taking charge of the sales team there. She is so mad at me because I have not yet done price increases. We just got whacked with 30% tariffs. Anything that we do, unfortunately, have to import from China, but it's still cheaper. But just so you guys know, you know, we are working so hard to make sure that we are doing everything we can to make the best coup for the best price. Going to beat China at their own game somehow, some way. And I want to say we're getting there. I think we've come a long ways. Couldn't do it out without you guys and, of course, our customers that have supported us over the years. And then all the feedback um, on the chicken coops that continue to make them better. Exactly. And there was one guy that had said, just to your point, that they tried to make one. I think it was from uh, your Cali coop. California coop and um, he said that uh, that he ended up spending more money on his materials yeah. <laughs> than, than had he just bought it from you and kind of don't let his wife know that. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the other thing too. A lot of people don't realize that um, you're also going to make it's going to take so much longer. So if your time is valuable, that's the other huge benefit from us. You know, we have perfected these chicken coops. So they're not only perfect for your chickens, they're perfect for you. And we start incorporating that deep litter system where you can go over a year before you got to clean out your hen house. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And of course, uh, you know, go to, if you haven't seen us uh, where we show how easy it is to clean out our chicken coop, uh, Kristen and I, maybe about, God, was it 2016? I, we did a video four years ago, five years ago, cleaning out the hen house. We did it in under 10 minutes. And we ended up putting the litter. I kid you not. The industrial hemp works so well. We ended up putting the litter right back in there. So, 
Um, and that's on deeplitter.com too, if you want to see that's that. Right. Yep. Deeplitter.com. That's right. Deeplitter.com. I forgot that we uh, – Or deeplittermethod.com. Perfect. I get that right. <laughs> awesome. All righty. Is there anything else? Do we feel better? Do we get that off our chest? I think so. I'll, I'll save some more for next year. All right. Awesome. Yeah. So next week, uh, you know, again, we're going to have Ingrid come in, just talk about the YouTube comments. Uh, you know, just because, again, I hope people learn from it and then also be aware that maybe you're not aware we have a YouTube channel. And please go there and please subscribe. So I thank you so much, Ingrid. All right. And we have another caller, uh, Patrick. He's been waiting for 36 minutes. I hope he's still there. Good morning, Patrick. Hi, how are you doing, Matt? Oh, I'm so happy. I tell you, I'm so happy you're still there and so sorry about that wait. I hope you are enjoying the show. I am very much. And actually, you've already answered a few of the questions that I had. Um, I, first of all, want to say I love your coops. And I think they are bar none, probably the best coops out there. And uh, that's what I'm looking to build myself is something very similar to yours. Thank you. Um, and I'm trying to plan it out and one of the things i'm contemplating is should i go with an asphalt roof or a metal roof and i just want to know what the pros and cons are and if there's any danger with an asphalt roof with the rain collection in the water bar great question um because i can see a lot of people making this mistake so asphalt shingles versus metal now we love metal roofing for many many reasons the number one reason is when it comes to raising chickens, and I cannot emphasize this enough, people make this mistake all the time. It's all about keeping your chickens cool during the summertime, not keeping them warm during the winter. So many people get that backwards. So with metal roof, it's one of the best roofing materials that gives you what's called TSR, total solar reflectance. It's going to be the best material to keep your hen house cool and reflect that heat from the sun. Now, number two, being someone that has installed a lot of chicken coops, it is the quickest, easiest way to install a beautiful roof versus I've done a lot of asphalt shingles, done a lot of cedar shingles. It's so time consuming. Now, the other thing that you mentioned is, is it safe for the water? And I am no water expert. I've been doing a lot of research and we're actually going to have a water expert coming on um, hopefully in the next couple weeks where I want to really pick their brain, get into the science of collecting rainwater. Um, but it's to my understanding that if you collect rainwater off of a, a roof with asphalt shingles, you are potentially getting that petroleum, those oils into that water, which can potentially be toxic to your chickens. Now, again, before I make a lot of people mad, I am not a water expert. I'm sure there's a lot of people that do this and they never had a problem. I just know that it's another benefit when we talk about should we do asphalt shingles or a metal roof. You go on a lot of these rain capturing websites off your roof, they will all recommend using metal because it's way safer. Okay, that's good to know. Because um, I'm looking at the cost of both and it really seems to be Kind of even. Yeah, but I guarantee you, too, the metal, it's, it's going to make your chicken so much happier. It's also, here's another thing I want to mention, too. It's a lot lighter. Um, you know, you, you don't want to right. have your roof any heavier than it needs to be. And when it comes to time, it takes so much more time to install uh, an asphalt shingle roof compared to doing metal roof. Now, I have another question. Sure, uh, go ahead. Regarding the roof. Um, so... I live in Charleston. We get a lot of hurricanes. We get windstorms like crazy once in a while. Mm -hmm. um, I do want a roof over my run. Um, I, you know, happy 
chickens, right? Yep. So is there, should I, how should I position the coop so that the prevailing winds don't like lift up my coop basically? I'm, I'm just wondering. Absolutely. Yeah. Another great question. And this is something, especially like when we do site surveys, we talk about this a lot because if you look at our Cali coop, AmeriCoop, Carolina coop, there's a common theme, and that is you have an elevated hen house and you have a large run that you can walk into. And you do need to be careful if you have a situation where you have potential high winds. If your coop is positioned a certain way where that wind comes in, goes into the run, it's going to hit the front of the hen house and go up. And what it's going to do is it's going to lift your entire structure. So what I always advise people is if you're in that situation, anchor it down. There's huge hurricane stakes, and we've done that. We were actually in, um, was it St. Helena Island, I think, uh, down down your way in South Carolina. Huge stakes. It was 100 degrees. not fun pounding them in, but it worked. Um, so you can anchor it down, but if you didn't want to do that and you want to minimize the chance of it blowing away, just turn the back, the solid structure, the solid part, to the prevailing winds, and that will, if anything, maybe just push on it a little bit, which shouldn't be too big of an issue. But it's the lifting. That's what you want to prevent. You said these were hurricane anchors? Uh, hurricane stakes, yeah. A lot of shed companies, when they deliver them, sometimes it's code. They're very large stakes. They're usually about 48 inches long. They're going to have spades. Uh, it looks like something from the medieval times. It would be a nasty weapon. Um, but you pound them in, and, and they're, they're not coming out of the ground. Now, the, the hack, if you will is dog steaks that look like a corkscrew we've done that and it's worked perfectly um, without a problem and way more affordable and so much easier to put in but you also got to remember what your soil composition is if it's very sandy that's where those hurricane steaks may be a lot better for you all right thank you very much for uh taking my call i appreciate it hey my pleasure thank you for waiting thank you for calling thank you for listening uh, good luck to you and if there's anything else we can do for you we'll be here Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I love it. Chickens in the news. All right, Kristen, what do you got for us? Chickens in the news. And there's a well, lot of chickens in the news right now, isn't there? There is. We've ha we, we have a lot of people on quarantine, stay-at-home order across America. And what do you know? The New York Times had an article on March 28th saying, America stress bought all the baby chickens. In times of anxiety, we hoard the sources of eggs. Now, this article just caught my eye. I love this article. This is, it seems like it happens almost every spring, though. People, <laughs> oh, people, we're running out of baby chicks. I mean, my local farm store, sometimes you have to stand in line the day that chicks come in to buy the baby chicks. But this year happens to be a little bit worse as far as buying baby chicks because everyone has bought the baby chicks and i love that they use the word stress bought america stress bought all the baby chickens yeah i actually made a note of that that is great terminology and boy have we seen that and i feel sorry for a lot of people that are thinking this you know this year getting into chickens for the first time don't let that discourage you what is going on right now uh just in the world in general but in the, with chicken coops and buying baby chicks they're hard to come yeah. by and, yeah, and typically, absolutely. yeah, and typically, like Chris and I, we would always tell people is if you're thinking about buying, ordering baby chicks, you want to get on that waiting list um, by what January because it's amazing yeah. how fast they sell out. Well, this year, I'm happy to say, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy that people are like, oh crap, 
you know? Yeah, I mean, and, and the article states that people have, there's an enormous rise in unemployment, people are anxious for free time, anxious free time, you know, we've got uh, financial instability, and, you know, this this all leads up to baby chickens, and now that people have the idea to have baby chickens, uh, they're hard to come by that says uh, chick sales go up during stock market downturns and it, oddly in pre- presidential election years. Really? Yeah. Presidential years. Well, you know, it, it is interesting and I'm, I'm so glad again, everyone out there, if you're thinking about getting into chickens and you haven't been able to find your baby chicks, keep looking. Uh, there are great hatcheries out there uh, that we absolutely love. I think maybe in a couple more episodes, we'll plug them. Uh, I'm hoping to do some cross promotion because uh, we talked about having those giveaways. But I know uh, I've always been amazed by the hatcheries, the, the big ones that we've worked with, the customer service, the availability. People say, wait a minute, you can order baby chicks through the mail? And absolutely. So, you know, Kristen mentioned, you know, you got your local hatcheries, definitely a huge fan of that. Maybe pick out the breeds that you want. Uh, but also, if you want to be more specific, there's so many great breeders out there, so many great hatcheries where if the timing works, you can definitely order the specific breeds. But um, is there anything in the news about when are they replenishing? Is there more available? I mean, how's it looking now? Does it, I mean, does it mention if the hatcheries are are they completely out? Are they going to maybe ramp up production, which has got to be kind of difficult? A yeah, lot of they're trying to. They're trying to increase production. Gotcha. All right. Awesome. Uh, for all you folks out there, if you've enjoyed the show, questions, comments, didn't enjoy the show, maybe you hated us, whatever, um, let us know. Uh, this is for you guys. This is uh, sponsored by CarolinaCoops.com. If you're not going to buy one of my coops, I want you to learn and build your coops and then also learn as much as you can about chickens. And we're also we're going to be getting more into not just the chickens and the coops, but you know we got uh, some great chefs at our fingertips that have some awesome recipes. And we're also going to talk a lot about, actually next week, we're going to have a guest caller on that is an expert in the industrial hemp, uh, which is a very popular product. And, and actually, to that note, I know a lot of people have been emailing in. So let's finish on another caller here. You are on the air with Radio Chicken. Hey, Matt, just a quick question pertaining to the water bar and barrels. Yes. Um, is there any concerns sitting there stagnantly? So I have never had concerns, but this is a question we get a lot. And, you know, what I've learned over the years is every situation is different. So now with our system, 99% of them that we sell are the heated water system. So it's going to contain the food safe rain barrel sitting on a base. There's two stainless steel hoses feeding a water bar and how to keep it from freezing. We have a pump and then we have a heater. Now, whether you have that system or you have what's called a non-heated rain catching system, there's still a pump. And the reason why we keep that pump there is if you are having an issue with stagnation or if you have to dose it, treat it, maybe you want to put some essential oils in there. I don't know. Um, You can just turn that pump on and circulate it. So what I can tell you from my experience, I've had two systems, um, never had an issue, but also none of my coops, (laughs) kind of breaking my own advice, are not in the woods. Um, They're out in the open. And Kristen, I know you have a heated water system in the woods. Have you ever had any issues? I, not to my knowledge, my chickens are happy and healthy. I was just thinking my water barrel has been there for years and I've never changed the water or serviced it or anything. I'll go out there and decant some water and maybe get it tested. 
Let's see. Let's see what the water quality is. I see like there, uh, there's products, and one of them that comes to mind is the um, the vinegar, the mm-hmm. apple cider vinegar. And I, I don't know if that was something to consider. Um, I, I'm not saying I'm having any problems. I'm I'm trying to be proactive. So you know, I had a customer recently. I wish I would have recorded the conversation. The man was so smart. We talked about that in um, Greensville, South Carolina, and he got scientific about. When I said to him, I said, you know, we have a lot of customers that will put apple cider vinegar in the rain barrel. And to be honest with you, I never really understood what the reason was. And he explained it about somehow it's separating some possible what could be bad, getting it to settle to the bottom, almost acting like a liquid filter. Um, So that is something I would love to learn more about. And that is, again, the goal with RadioChicken.com. We can get into the science because I want to learn as well. Kristen, do you um, any any? Knowledge on that, apple cider vinegar, I, I hear that all the time. I I used to use it many, many years ago. I don't use it anymore. Um, no, I, I really don't know. I would I would defer to the the scientists on that one. Yes, I'm not I, sure. I got a couple scientists uh, in queue. I hope to get them on. And <laughs> it's probably going to be the first time they're ever going to be talking about chickens. But I think it's important. Like you were talking about earlier, water is so important, not just how – the it's delivered but you know we all need water and one of the things that can be a downside about raising chickens is having that constant chore but that's the beauty of creating a perfect rain barrel system when you collect your rainwater or even if you're just going to make your water bar and hook it up to a pressure regulator and reduce that pressure you can still keep the water clean safe and eliminate that as a chore um call i didn't catch your name in the beginning it's jim Jim. Well, Jim, thank you so much. Is there anything else we can answer for you? No, that's all, but thank you for your time. My pleasure. Thank you for calling in, Jim. want to make it worth it, and we can't do it without our listeners, people um, that are listening to us. Thank you so much that have been here. I hope you're learning something, and please let us know what we can do to make the show better. Please share this. I want as many people finding out about Carolina Coops. Go visit us at Instagram. Follow us there. Go subscribe at YouTube if you haven't already questions you know we really didn't get to questions but um all right you ready to answer some yep, questions real yep. quick okay here we go how do chickens get to the roost slash perch that's a pretty general question and it just made me realize something that i know every time when people call in uh looking to buy a coop from us one of the first things i have to do is like, talk about terminology and especially with our coops and so if you've been listening and maybe there's a couple things that didn't make sense i want to first start off when i mentioned the word coop uh, most people think of it as just the solid structure that they're going to sleep in at night. And to me, that's not it. The entire coop is the hen house and run. And that coop is made up of two parts, the hen house and run. And inside that hen house, the chickens do two things. That's where they sleep at night, and that's where they lay their eggs in the egg boxes. And so we call where they, their, their bed at night that they sleep on is the roost. And that is tree, that's their tree branch, right, before coops were invented. And how do chickens get to the roost? And, okay, so it goes on and says, do they need a ladder or platform? Well, I know a certain breed that does. Silkies? <laughs> you love silkies. You know, I, I – I, You and silkies and naked necks. Oh, like, oh God, naked necks. And, and I'm necks. being sarcastic for the, all the people that don't really know you. Yeah, so that's something uh, – you know, I – Silkies are just a different breed, and I think it's so important. We have to do a show just on silkies, and I think I'm going to do a coop at the shop just silkies because even though silkies drive me crazy because they're so difficult – well, I don't want to say they're difficult. They're different, 
Um, I've learned over the years that you know you build a coop for silkies, you build it for regular chickens. Silkies are not regular chickens. Um, so if you have silkies, yeah, that's going to be a little bit difficult for them to get up to the roost if it's up at the normal height for standard chickens. Um, so to answer the question is, like in our chicken coops, the roost bar is two feet above the floor of the hen house, and there's usually less than that as a deep litter builds up, but they have no problem hopping up there. Yeah, no problem at all. Again, except, they use their wings. Yeah, they use their wings, exactly, uh, unless they're silkies. And that is why silkies, one of the reasons why they're difficult. They don't have proper wing feathers. They don't have their flight feathers. Yeah, we're hurting a lot of silkies' feelings right now, I think. But sometimes, I, I've had hatchery silkies that just run with a pack like a regular chicken and manage to get up on the, the roost. Right, and I know a lot of our customers have silkies. Yeah, they're kind of a breed that you love them or hate them. And I hate to use the word hate, but they're just... They're more difficult than you think. So one of the things I have learned to always tell people, if you're thinking about getting silkies, just do silkies, at least in that one coop. Don't try to mix the two or they are going to – I always think of that meme. I disagree. Oh, here we go. It's about time. What, you, what do you mean? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Oh, like I said, I've had some hatchery – I have a hatchery silky right now that's that's just like the other chickens. Oh, it's getting right up on the roost bars. It's, it's getting up there. You notice that wasn't a confirm yes. Is it getting right up on the roost bars? <laughs> it's getting up there. Mm -hmm. it's, it's got good instincts. It does all the chicken things. But then again, I've paid $100 for one silky that was dumb as bricks. <laughs> that thing, the brains were bred right out of it. It, I mean, it, that thing had no instincts. <laughs> it, would, it would just give up. And, like, the sun would set, and it would just sit down wherever it was, like in the middle of the lawn. It would hit a tree because it couldn't see and just give up and sit there for the rest of the night. Every single night I had to take and put that thing in the chicken coop until eventually a raccoon got it. Mines, yeah. I, didn't go out there, I think I remember that. That, that. that was the nail in the cuff for me for silkies. I'm just like, there's no oh, way. I mean, yes, they're pretty and fluffy and the kids love them. Um, and I know there is a, I know when you talk to people about, you know, when, when people ask the great question, what breeds should I get? Um, I can't wait till we just hammer that subject. Uh, you always do mention at least bantams. And I want to say you do advise for someone to get a silky. Sometimes. Sometimes because of that whole broodiness. Right. But right. there's a lot of broody, a lot of broody breeds. Still. Yeah. Right. I mean, Cochins are great broodies. Yeah, they are. They absolutely are. So I can't wait till we get into that subject more. So let, let's get through these questions. All right. What type of time care is involved with taking care of chickens? Well, I, I love that question too, because it comes down to the coop. Everything comes absolutely. down to having the right coop. And that's where, again, over the episodes or on our videos, we're going to talk more about that, but you got to have the right size. Um, and and then the, you're watering and feeding. Exa it takes exactly. Exactly. Uh, but it doesn't have to take too long with the watering because if you have the right heated water – well, a water system like the water bar, um, really on a daily basis, if you have the right setup, I guess it depends on how many chickens you have. That's going to involve how long you're going to take collecting eggs. Yeah, with, the, with your coop setup and your watering system, your daily chores are really just collecting eggs, you know, maybe you, a weekly feed. Yeah, just do your once over on the feed. The water's watering, there. you don't ever have to water them, and you don't really ever have to clean out the chicken coop. Exactly, especially with that deep litter system and the use of industrial hemp. If you're not familiar with industrial hemp, definitely go to my website. Uh, so as far as time and care, you know, again, it all depends on the coop. If it's done right, it should not take that long at all. Um, and, and the question does go on, how would you compare it to taking care of a dog? Much easier. Oh, my gosh, way easier. 
way easier. And I'm a dog you could person. Go on, you can go on vacation and you don't have to get a pet sitter. You know, that's such a great point. You, you don't have a vet bill. Well, I know some people that have a chicken fat bill. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that, that, that is a good point. And that's the, again, going back to our chicken coops are the right chicken coop setup is you can go away for a week, if not longer, and not have to worry about your chickens, especially if they do free range, which I am a fan of. I know they are exposing themselves to predation, but they're, it's so well worth it. And you put an automatic door on there is very, very easy. Um, how does the cost compare after initial installation? How does the cost compare I'm I not- think that's minimal. Most of the cost in getting set up with backyard chickens is the coop. You know, and, and, and a bag of feed here is eleven ninety nine. Right, and you know, and, 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 and thank you, YouTube Chicken Police. A lot of times they're like, "Oh, those are some expensive eggs." You know what? It, you don't do it because of how ex- you're trying to save money on eggs. You're trying to save money on your health insurance. Well, I have a. I'm going to blow your mind. I have a vegan friend has chickens, and she doesn't even eat the eggs. She just has them for pets we and ha- for lawn. Yeah, if, uh, for for eating uh, ticks. Yeah, pests. Bi- biological pest control, absolutely. Right. And that was something I was going to ask Nicole earlier. And I think we'll do it next time. She's big on guineas. Um, great uh, for biological pest control, eating those ticks and the fertilization. What are your thoughts on using kills as a sealer for the deep litter area? Uh, so, if you're not familiar with kills, that is a very popular primer that just really it adheres well. Um, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, and I, I'll explain why. And we, we mentioned a little bit earlier that if you're building your chicken coop, you definitely want to put in the deep litter system. And if you don't want to spend the money on the high density polyethylene, just put oil in there. You treat it like a wooden salad bowl. And there's some really good oils. There's just boiled linseed oil, which is food safe. There's vegetable oil. But again, it's what's going to absorb the moisture is the, the 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 carbon the litter the pine shavings or you know again the industrial hemp which is ideal um, I, I wouldn't recommend it because I think you're gonna have higher maintenance I think you're gonna end up going in there and regretting it and it's gonna start peeling off um, but I could be wrong uh, for the record I've never used it because we've never needed to yeah. um, I I think I getting back to what you're saying I do believe that instead of focusing on what how to protect that wood on the inside, the focus should be on bedding material to use. I think that's really, and how much. That's probably much more important than focusing on whether to use paint or kills or that uh, flex seal or FRP. Or, oh, you know, or right, the FRP days. We I don't used think I... to use FRP. Oh, boy. Oh, my gosh. reinforced plastic. Is that what it is? That's exactly it. So if you're not familiar with FRP, fiber reinforced plastic, it's it's – we used it, and we used it for a long time because it is a great material. It's not that expensive. You can find it at all hardware stores. It is waterproof, but it is going to create a layer. But if you do it well, that's not an issue. The problem, the reason why we stopped using it is it's awful to breathe in when cutting it. And when I discovered Food Safe High Density Polyethylene, and we did some tests with some customers, they absolutely loved it. Um, so, and the other thing, too, that kind of add to what Kristen just said, and that's right, that's what you got to focus on, not how to seal it your chicken to coop ratio. If you're putting 100 chickens in a hen house to sleep at night that's designed for 12 chickens, you're, you're asking for problems. You're going to have way too high of a nitrogen load. Um, so it says here, we already painted our hen house floor with gloss paint. 
Will this be a problem in the deep layer system? Not, no, I don't think it'll be a problem I don't think so. with the deep layer system. You just may end up finding, depending on the quality of the paint and maybe the type of wood that you painted it on, um, may end up peeling. And, and probably not. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, so it's, it's, it's dark in there. If there's not enough dry material, it's, it's really going to be in, insignificant. So you don't think it will be? You don't think it'll be a maintenance issue? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say. Especially we... if you're not scraping it. I mean, if you're cleaning it out every week and scraping it, yeah, you're going to scrape off that paint. But if you just let dry material sit in there for a year, two years, three years, it's it's in a dark place. It doesn't have uh This is know, sounding very depressing. Sun, this, or, is, this is sounding like know, a... <laughs> expansion uh, contraction no you're, you're exactly right so but you did mention a point though when it does come time to cleaning i mean we do that we use the 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 rock rake um or a right. hoe that's going to scrape into it and that's another thing i know why our customers love high density polyethylene go for it that stuff is so dense you, you can't break it um so that is interesting but I, I do agree i do agree that as long as your chicken coop ratio is there you got the right depth of right a diaper bedding, yeah exactly um, what are your thoughts about artificial grass in the nesting boxes? What do you say to that, Kristen? What artificial grass in the nesting boxes? Well, I used to use pine shavings just because that's what I had. I had plenty of pine shavings to use, but then I discovered that if I use some sort of hay, that it encourages their instincts. Um, I, I, I discovered that when I just put hay out there they built nests like any bird does like a yep. songbird these beautiful bowl-shaped nests that i didn't even know my chickens could do when i was new with chickens and they love it and yep. it really it, it tied their nest together in my carolina coop so that when i opened the nest box i didn't have loose bedding falling out and I, and then the eggs were just completely clean and beautiful. And I still have those same nests years later in the chicken coop. Chicken the same nesting say, material. Okay, yeah. But okay, maybe I should have cleaned it out for mite protection or something. Like oh, that. I know. But yeah, here we go. I, I know. But I left it because it was beautiful and it's still intact today. Exactly. So. Exactly. I always tell people if you got dirty eggs, it's there's something else going on. Um, and then the other thing too, I want to put this out there. It's something that I'm going to be experimenting soon. I want to give props to, you know, I love YouTube and watching YouTube channels. And um, there is a gentleman I love to follow. His name's Justin Rhodes. Uh, he does. Um, gosh, I wish I could remember right now because I'd love to properly give him a plug and maybe bring him on someday. Uh, he went out um, Farms of America, and one of the people he went and visited was a um, sheep farmer wool and put it in the nest boxes and he said that has been the best nesting material he's ever used so of course me the entrepreneur in me i was like wow that would be awesome um and, and to be able to offer that as nesting material so i'm gonna experiment with it it does make sense i'm sure there's people out there that maybe be like oh my god that's an awful idea mites mites and i don't know so i guess we won't know until we try um what are your thoughts about DE, diatomaceous earth? Who, no? You want me well, to take Well, you're that the one? bug guy. <laughs> you, I've heard you talk about it. So, you know, I hear about diatomaceous earth all the time. And, yes, I was an exterminator for 15 years. I was that bug guy that everyone loved because I was so – I was nerdy. I just – I loved it. And um, diatomaceous earth, there's a couple things here that I think people need to be clear on. 
uh, diatomaceous earth, its mode to kill is to act as a desiccant. Um, and a lot of people are like, oh, well, that's toxic, that's harmful. Well, just don't breathe it in. It actually can be a great product, especially um, if you, for whatever reason, there's many reasons for this, if you have um, mites uh, for some reason, it is great to be able to add um, for your chickens to make sure they have a sand bath, but already that sand bath is acting like the diatomaceous earth does um, to act as that desiccant. So, And then, of course, there's food-safe diatomaceous earth. The active ingredient is still the same. Um, so I kind of go back to if you have to use diatomaceous earth for a reason, um, there might be something else going on. I know I am a huge fan of prevention, but prevention is having the right coop. And here's another great reason why it's so important to let your chickens free range. Um, mine just did it the other day. I had to move some of the fencing, and I let them out for a little bit. Um, well, I have a huge, it's probably about an acre fenced off with their electric poultry and fencing that I've been experimenting with. Of course, wouldn't you know, they ran right to the sand. Like, they haven't had a bath in a year. I felt so bad, so I had to move <laughs> <laughs> the fencing material. But you just got to make sure what they have, what they need in nature. Um, so if you, it would, when it comes to diatomaceous earth, just if you're going to use it, read the label, the instructions. Um, red people, okay, so red people use it in the feed for a wormer and also in a dust bath. So we just addressed the dust bath. I don't understand diatomaceous earth in the feed as a wormer, and I'll explain why. It's a desiccant. And the best analogy is if you walk on the beach and you're barefoot, if you walk on dry sand, the sand gets between your toes. That will irritate the target pest. You walk on the sand that is wet with bare feet, it doesn't get in between the toes. In my opinion, when that diatomaceous earth goes into the body, that's like walking on the wet sand. I don't know how that's actually going to work for the warmer. That's just my opinion. I think that would end up being wasteful. I think there's better um, treatments for wormers. Uh, Kristen, I'm sure you have something to say to that. Yeah, there are, uh, there are a lot of dewormers on the market. Uh, you have to withdraw the eggs to do so mm. you really have to do a fecal test to even find out if you have worms yeah you know All what about absolutely i really want to get into that you know and nicole too since she wrote a book on health that she might have a lot to say about that uh, so look forward to listening to that and learning some more and it goes on to say you know one to three ratio in the soil however i have also read that poultry vets highly discourage it for respiratory issues well respiratory issues for the chickens or for you or for both because you know chickens do have a sensitive respiratory system but i'm telling you it's not fun breathing in sand either when you go watch them take that dust bath but they do it they're not in it all day you know uh, again I, i'm just a fan of letting chickens do what they do in nature and if you can't let them free range you know uh, the the video we did down in uh, orlando florida with maria she was burning specific woods to make ash for the dust bath and she had a dedicated spot inside the run with certain herbs and spices it was crazy but <laughs> i tell you i've never seen chickens listen to a lady she was by far the chicken whisperer she could tell those chickens what to do and they would listen it was incredible so whatever she's doing bravo to her it's definitely working um, so, you know, I, I guess too much of anything can be bad, but for you, if you're using diatomaceous earth, you, it's just like anything else. You don't want to breathe it in because that is very damaging to your lungs. Um, what's your, and we all want healthy lungs right now. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And we'll do next week. Same, same thing, just different day. And if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, 
anything at all. Help us make this show better. I have had a lot of fun. Kristen, you? I have too. I can't wait till next week. Yeah, same here. So guys, thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, please go to YouTube and subscribe. If you haven't been a follower on Instagram, please do so. We will talk to you next week. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone.